Welcome to the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by a beautiful partnership between Missio Alliance and Kairos Partnerships. What's up, JR? Good morning, Doug. Always good to spend some time together here on the podcast with you. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Even even when technology can be a pain in the butt, it's still good to see your smiling face. But hey, it's what we've got, right? It's yep. what we've got in this season. So That's we just true. keep pushing through. So um, yeah, you know, one of the things that we launched with Kairos Partnerships several months ago is we launched something called the Young Leaders Equipping Cohort. And we were hoping that a handful, you know, would, uh, would apply. Uh, just an opportunity to build into younger leaders and we had an application process and we, we actually made it, it somewhat, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't easy to, to go through the application process. And you and I were really shocked to see the amount of young leaders who applied and they were really quality leaders. And one of the things you and I felt was going to be so difficult was there are just too many here, <laughs> too many good leaders that we don't want to turn some away. So we actually opened it up and created two cohort, two cohorts. So you run a cohort of YLEC leaders and I run a cohort of YLEC leaders. And so it's been really great to build into these young leaders. And so we just want to take a couple of minutes um, and just chat a little bit here and let our listeners kind of uh, peek over the hedges a little bit. What what has it been like with the young leaders in your equipping cohort? What are you learning? What are you wrestling with with these young leaders? Yeah, we we have spent the first uh, few months here uh, really looking at under the surface stuff. And so it's been really great for me. Uh, and I feel like I'm learning a ton about healthy rhythms and what, what how others are kind of thinking through what it looks like to be healthy and whole balanced leaders. Um, and so for me, I, I feel like we've been in that space of just really wrestling with how do you set healthy rhythms? And in the midst of that, throwing a pandemic in there and throwing um, just disrupted rhythms. It, it, I feel like it's been uh, almost like a master's level course or a doctoral level course in how do you have sustainable rhythms. And so that's been really great. I think too, it, it's also been one of those things um, that I've also realized that um, I think in some ways the church is really doing a, a good job of building other mentors into people's lives and, other, and not all of the folks who are in uh, my cohort are pastors, but um, even those who are involved in Christian ministry in some way, whether it's missions or pastoral ministry, that that they all seem to have some some form of of older leaders that are that are helping and present in their life. And so I was really been very encouraged by that. And I think it just makes me even more hungry to like, well, man, who are leaders I can uh, build into? Um, but I've also been really, really surprised with um, the resiliency and even the just some of the ways in which the leaders have been through some really difficult seasons and situations, um, yeah. uh, just with some great loss, uh, with some health things, uh, and even just with some of the difficulty of working in pastoral ministry that both you and I have been uh, been around, and we've we've seen some of the horror stories and we've lived some of them, and just the resilience that 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 these leaders have even in the midst of those things. It's just been really refreshing and affirming. And, um, and you know, me, JR, like I'm a, I'm a pastor, like that's my thing. So I just get so amped about <laughs> pastoring through some of these things and helping people find Christ in the midst of it. Um, but I think too, like, I'm just learning a ton from 
yeah, just listening to to where people are at, um, it, it gives me a lot of hope. Um, it also has been really good. Uh, we've we've had challenges to read different books throughout the time, and and no one picked books that I've read before, which has been really great. Uh-huh. So I'm learning a lot from different authors, um, which has been been really cool. How about you? Mm-hmm. What are some things you've been learning, and and how's this been? How's it been for you so far? Yeah, I, I am so grateful for the leaders that, that I've been able to get to work with. Everything from leaders here in the Philadelphia area to Texas, Colorado, um, uh, Iowa. I mean, it's just, it's, it's Cincinnati. I mean, it's just wonderful to see the broad range, men and women, young and old, and just so grateful for their their willingness to, to engage in this. Sometimes I go in with an agenda. Sometimes it's, hey, what, what do we want to talk about? There are other times when we have our group times together, our group Zoom calls, where I'll just say, hey, would you lead this time? This is an important discussion. This is an expertise that you have. Why don't you lead that for us? So that's been really, really wonderful to be able to do that. And all, all of them have checked in for one-on-one times and, you know, hey, I'm struggling. Would you, would you pray for me? I, I preached last night for uh, a church in Denver on Zoom, um, which was super fun. And uh, so really grateful for the opportunity to just uh, to, to join in with these leaders, not as the experts that are just going to disseminate information into them. It really is a learning alongside of and a learning from uh, in the process, which has been great. So I, I think they actually help keep me young. I mean, I don't feel like I'm old, but many of them are, are uh, you know, 15 years younger than I am. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's really important for me to be looking behind. And, and you and I have talked about this, Doug. You and I have struggled when we were in our 20s we didn't, we, we wanted mentors and everywhere we looked, people were just saying, no, I, I can't do that because mentor is just kind of a scary word. You know, like I'm not perfect. Like you're going to see my flaws. I'm like, that's the point. Like I, I, I want to see that I can be a flawed leader and still be okay and still mm-hmm. lead, even though I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. And what do I do when I'm overwhelmed and what, I don't know what to do. And so uh, that's in some ways, this is investing in leaders to make sure they don't feel what you and I felt when we were in our twenties. And, um, so sometimes that, that M word is really scary mentor. So, you know, a friend of mine challenged me several years ago. He said, instead of using the M word, talk about older spiritual friendships. Mm. And I'm like, that's really helpful because it takes the pressure off from like people here mentor. <gasps> I've got to be this perfect guru up on the mountain. You know, everything I say has to be brilliant and written in a book. And no, no. And so I just want to, I, 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 we hope this conversation uh, now and then the person, the leader that we're going to be interviewing, which is part of the Young Leaders Equipping Cohort that I, that I run, to just be able to listen from and learn from the stories of other younger leaders. And so uh, many listeners, uh, or if you're tuning in, if you're a, long, a young leader, we want to encourage you to be looking for a mentor and asking around or an older spiritual friend. <laughs> um, but also if you are a middle-aged or older leader, it's very important that you are building into the next generation. We know that phrase, we hear it, but to actually do it and to seek out those leaders around you in the church and outside the church that are younger, but are faithful, available, teachable, and hungry. We always talk about being fat and hungry, right? Faithful, Mm -hmm. available, teachable, and hungry. And if you see evidence of faithfulness and availability and teachability and hunger, build into those leaders. Just say, hey, 
do you want the opportunity? I'd love to just connect with you, build into you, connect, you know, hang out, um, and invest and just see what happens. And it's an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Uh, it's really surprising. And it's interesting too, right, Jared? Because a lot of people think, oh, well, I, you know, I don't have it all together and I'm still like in my late thirties or early forties or mid fifties and I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, dude, building into, and I like that, that way you phrase it with, uh, older spiritual friendships, but just being present with another leader who's younger than you is, I, I mean, you could probably say almost nothing except for share stories back and forth yeah. and even just come with a few questions like what has your experience been? Mm. Um, and it would just, it would go, it would go miles. My, my sense is if there was a stronger, if there was a stronger culture of mentorship and spiritual friendship within the pastoral ministry, we would not see the numbers of leaders leaving ministry as like we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, agreed. It's the whole Paul, Barnabas, Timothy thing, right? Like everybody needs a Paul, somebody mm-hmm. built into them. Everybody needs a Barnabas, someone encouraging them side by side. And then everybody needs a Timothy, somebody that they can be building into and who may be less experienced. Doesn't mean they have to be younger, but they just may need some pouring into. There are times I've had Timothys who are older than me. And there were times that I've had um, Pauls in my life who were my age. So mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean you turn in some golden age and then all of a sudden you become qualified on your 50th birthday that now you can become a mentor. You can or do this like now. Not at all, right? And it's the whole thing of Paul saying to Timothy, let no one look down on you because you are young. And mm. I think there are times where we don't say that overtly and offensively to leaders, to young leaders, but we basically say, you know what? I just don't have time. I'd love to do that, but I just don't have time. And if we're not careful, we're sending a message saying all these other things are more important but the next generation is not. And so we just have to be very careful. I have a lot of respect for a few leaders that I know that intentionally carve out time and actually write it in their job description that wow. they're that they're supposed to be mentoring young leaders every single month. And I just love that. So we're really looking forward to this conversation and uh, especially someone who's a part of the young leaders equipping cohort and uh, what we can learn from them and, and learn from him and moving forward. So if you're a leader, Uh, We really want to challenge you as you're listening to this conversation to be thinking through who are the people, who are the leaders? Maybe they're not even seeing themselves as leaders. Maybe they're potential leaders, but who could eventually uh, be seen as a leader and that one day they might look back and say, you know what? I remember the day that someone looked at me and said, you're a leader. Hmm. And, And imagine if they mentioned our name. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. Rob Chifakoyo is a passionate follower of Jesus, husband, dad, pastor, author, speaker, and podcaster. Born and raised in Zimbabwe, Rob brings a much-needed multicultural and global perspective to the church. Rob's unique story and his energetic presence have made him an up-and-coming speaker and author. He's a kidney transplant survivor, as well as his cross-cultural pastoral experience. He speaks to college groups and nonprofits and other churches. He's the host of the podcast Revival Loading and the co-host of Cookies and Cream and is the co-founder of Ishe Publishing with his brother, TJ. 
It's an initiative about amplifying minority voices in the world of literature. He's the author of four books, including The Blessing in Less and Before You Save the World, both will be releasing in August. He's the teaching pastor at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And uh, I, I'm really excited that you're going to get a chance to hear from him because he I've gotten to know Rob through the Young Leaders Equipping Cohort uh, that we've run through Kairos Partnerships. And he and his wife, Lisa, have two little girls and live in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. Enjoy this conversation with Rob Chifakoyo. Well, Rob, it's great for you to join us here on the Monday Morning Pastor Podcast. What a joy to be able to to chat with you this morning. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Excited. I'm sitting in an N.T. right seat, I feel. <laughs> I'm, ex- I'm excited. <laughs> well, man, it has been such a joy to get to know you through the Young Leaders Equipping Cohort. And so we just wanted a chance for you to tell your story. And we want to make sure that we're highlighting uh, older, wiser people like N.T. Wright, but also younger, wiser leaders like Rob Chifakoya. So that's really important for us as well. So, um, you know, we, we mentioned the bio earlier, but tell us your story. This is one of the things I I love. I've heard you share it a few different times, but tell us your story, how you end up from Zimbabwe to the north side of Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting journey. Um, uh, Yeah. I'm I'm Zimbabwean and um, right around about the time in 2010, I started this parachurch movement uh, called Dare to Serve. We're just wild, hungry, young people wanted to serve the community and it kind of exploded into um, a citywide movement in, in Zimbabwe. And so, yeah, part of that was we ended up connecting with churches here in the U.S. because, you know, it had grown kind of real fast and, and we needed support. And so ended up uh, being the guy who gets introduced to missions teams that are looking to partner with organizations. And one of those teams happened to be uh, a, a church in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, you know, on a missions trip. They came and they invited me. They were like, hey, man, if you're ever in the U.S., come to Doylestown. And I was like, uh, I don't think Doylestown's on my map. You know, I'm like, <laughs> but I've never heard of it. I don't know. But but I ended up coming anyway out of desperation, to be honest. I think I had raised like a Chili's gift card that year. like in the <laughs> kitchen. And so I was like, OK, I need to go to Doylestown. So I ended up going to Doylestown. And um, we just sparked off a great relationship. But little did I know that um, about a year and a half after that, that I would uh, all of a sudden fall ill. And uh, I mean, just all overnight, um, uh, I just lost a ton of weight. Uh, I was I was dying and I didn't even know it. Ended up in the ER um, and, and I was told that I had end stage kidney failure. So I was put into the, to the ICU and it was happening like fast. Like, I mean... A week before that, I was great, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, on my deathbed, and 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 when all hope was gone, and I thought, okay, this is it, my insurance is running out, I can't afford to even be here anymore. I got a call on on, on my bed, and it was the pastor from Doylestown saying, "Hey, man, we heard you're sick. We're praying for you," and I was like, "Okay, great." And then they said, "But we're gonna put legs to our prayers," and little did I know that um, in that in that whole process the church was really praying for me, not like, you know, prayer hands at the bottom in the comment section, but this was real, real life stuff. And, 
and they ended up gathering the nephrologists came out. I didn't know Doylestown was the center of uh, of the of the drug world in in pharmaceuticals. So I always kid around like these these drug dealers out in in Pennsylvania <laughs> saved my life. But but just by virtue of the fact that there, there were so many people connected in the in the medical field, uh, they were able to bring me in uh, Doylestown Hospital. Uh, Jim Brexler, the president of Doyle Sound Hospital, took me in pro bono, just said, hey, listen, we're going to take care of you. Um, and ended up finding out that I needed a kidney transplant. I, I you know, I, I had watched way too many episodes of House. But my <laughs> expectation was, you know, some doctor with a cane is going to walk in and tell me I'm allergic to carrots. And, and all, of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm good. But, but it wasn't that. Like, I, I, I was dying, in fact, and I needed a, a transplant. And so the church rallied. I mean, the wildest eight months I've ever experienced in the church, it was a whirlwind. Um, I got to preach. I preached some of my best sermons during that. I didn't know I was going to make it. So I, I didn't care about the Monday morning emails. I was just like, I'm going to tell you like it is because the, the next week I might be face to face with Jesus. So I'm just going to tell you like, I don't care. But um, the church rallied and they raised a quarter of a million dollars in three weeks. Um, and uh, a 23-year-old in the church who had actually been on a missions trip the year before, um, he got tested and turned out to be a perfect match. And um, and August 2014, August 26, 2014, um, we I, I had a life-saving kidney transplant, and that's how I'm alive today. So that's how I ended up from Harare, Zimbabwe, to being in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unbelievable story. And I love on social media when you have shown the picture of the gentleman who donated his kidney. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just the, I just think that's such a beautiful picture that this this church has literally saved your life. I mean, saved literally. Saved my life. Saved my life. So, saved my life. I. When I saw him in Zimbabwe, I, I remember thinking, like, this guy had, you know, every color Sperry that matched the short, you know, he was like, this is <laughs> just the whitest dude in the world. And I was like, and, and it's, you know, I think to myself, like, you know, that's, I've got some of that inside of, inside of my belly now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's been an interesting season, obviously with the pandemic and of course the race issues. And yeah. you and I, I love the story just a few weeks ago, we were wearing masks in the middle of Lake Alina at Peace Valley Park, canoeing around, wearing masks. Yeah. But we were talking and we were talking about that, like what a unique and difficult journey you have because you're immunocompromised. I mean, you have to be very careful with yeah. your kidney. Yeah. And so even being out in public and with church, I want you to talk about how you're navigating that in terms of exposure. And yeah. then also what it's like to be to be an African here in America with all the race issues going on. Yeah. Yeah. These last several weeks have been very interesting for you. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, um, I, guys, I'll say this, like I... I'd never imagined myself as being a missionary. You know, it's always thought like being a missionary is always kind of from the developed world or the for the Western world to, you know, but to places like Zimbabwe. But just coming here, I, I've, I've come to understand that there's so many things that I've had to learn in this in the last five months of America that I didn't need to that I didn't know that I didn't even know I needed to know mm. and so um for me being immunocompromised uh, you know I'm on anti-rejection drugs I have people have to wear masks around me like I'm that guy 
And I think it struck me and uh, the nature of Facebook and social media as a pastor, I can imagine, you know, you're, you're watching people, you know, and love and know that, you know, they're coming from, they're talking to someone, they're not talking to you, but even that whole, like, you know, I remember seeing, <laughs> seeing a post that said, you know, I think we should just let those who are vulnerable, you know, just, just whatever has to happen has to, I was like, that's me. That's, that's me. You're yeah. like your, your pastor. That's the guy, you know? And because we, you, you know, you, you don't think, you know, someone in that situation, because we're not all walking around with t-shirts that say, Hey, I'm immunocompromised. And then I think the thing that surprises me sometimes, and that I think is culturally, um, uh, just it's unique to the culture that I'm in is the understanding that, a lot of things get polarized and politicized very quickly. So one day wearing masks was just like, (laughs) I was like, how how did that turn political? I I, I had no idea how that turn took. And Mm -hmm. so those are some of the things that I wasn't aware of that, that were taking me by surprise as, as an African who's now planted in this community that I love so much, but going, that happens so quickly, like, you know, and, and so that's been, that's been for me, something that I've had to just really lean on trusting the Lord and having safe conversations with people where I can say, Hey, I, I need to remind you, I came here six years ago. So if I say something that sounds, that sounds dumb, uninformed or insensitive, please have grace, but explain to me how this is, has become this and mm. and across all those issues i found it that this has been a big learning curve i'm sure for every pastor but you know i'm learning that there's an added layer that i that i'm having to kind of put into the mix to navigate this season mm-hmm. and also i mean your lisa your wife is white yes and you, so you've got and your two daughters and you've you've shared with me some of the difficulties that they've experienced here in Doylestown. Yeah. And so this uh, race issue is very real and personal for you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Lisa's a white Zimbabwean, uh, you know, fifth generation. So she, she has to, we always have to navigate the the assumption that I married Mm -hmm. a white American and, Mm -hmm. you know, she's, she's Zimbabwean. And so for us, we in Zimbabwe, you know, Zimbabwe is a British colony, you know, so there is a, You know, I grew up around a pretty significant white population in the capital city. So we faced stuff like that at home. You know, we faced, you know, her community kind of, you know, saying, hey, you know, you're now married to a black man. We kind of, you know, that means there's certain spaces you can't be in. So we 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 understand that that kind of uh, prejudice. And but, yeah, we always just assumed and from the outside looking in we always just assumed that this community was way beyond that. That was just our, our perspective from the outside looking in, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, living here, but from the outside looking in when Obama became president in 2008, you know, in Africa, we were like, America's like, they've, they're done with racism. It's gone. It's completely gone. Look at this is, and we, we saw it, you know, and, and weirdly enough, Jay, I want to tell you, I worked for American missionaries the day Obama became president. And that too was a wake up call to me when they came into the classroom saying, this is the end of the world. I couldn't understand it. I, I was like, as Christians, I mean, they're loving this. So, so we, we had glimpses of that back home, but not as much as experiencing, you know, 
my child being told in the playground that, hey, you know, by another child, you know, that we don't play with brown kids mm. um, or, you know, or, or even just some of the things that we've experienced ourselves with. It's at the DMV and um, you're almost shocked that, oh, this is this is really happening. Um, and, and you sometimes don't have a, a compartment for it, you know, to say, you know, and, and more so now, you know, that it's moved right into, you know, it's not new, but it's, I think this level of it is, is the highest that I've ever seen where it really is like, okay, you know, the, the way you start the sentence that ends with lives matter, you know, puts you in a camp and, and says this much about you. Or that has all been things that are new for us to navigate. And, and it's been, it's been a place where I can tell you that it's been, it's been tough. It's, it's been tough. Um, because of my story, you know, I didn't, I, you know, you're sometimes looking at, at people who you have to filter, they saved my life. And, you know, years later, they may say something that almost contradicts the very thing that they, but you have, it, it, you have to think through so many, so many layers of, uh, of the human heart condition. It's, it's wild. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob, it's it's interesting. You mentioned how um you mentioned how having that perspective where you've come into uh, a culture and a country has been in some ways it it probably gives great opportunity for you to speak uh to the system or to what's in place from a perspective of just not knowing and there yeah. may be some grace, but have you found any other like just super practical, um, you know, tools that you've learned in the last few weeks or months that are just helpful for pastors? I keep hearing pastors ask me the question, like, what do I do? Like, how do I navigate this? So yeah. if you could have the answer for that, that'd be great. <laughs> um, and if you don't, at least a few practical things that would be helpful. Like even just thinking from like a white pastor perspective, like, like Rob, what, what's, what's one thing you would love white pastors to know? Um, about the pandemic or about the political, like how everything is being politicized so quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I don't have the answer. <laughs> so, so they'll answer that. But, but I, I think one of the things that I've noticed is, um, for example, I, I've been looking at um, uh, this tribe in, in the Kalahari Desert called the Khoisan. They're the oldest living, you know, civilization on the planet and they they've lived sustainably they've dealt with conflict in a way that no other civilization has and that's been intriguing to me because coming from a collectivist culture the power of these individual conversations being had um carries over into the church so that's all i've known there's almost like a a tribal the church is a tribe it you know that transfers where I'm coming from, and there's a tribal leader who happens to be the pastor, and so there's a lot of trust put in the pastor. And I think one of the things that I think we has been helpful for me is when I do have those individual conversations with that person that I that I was that you know that that said that thing, or and it's a lot of time, a lot of investment in a, in, a, in a season where. You know, you don't, you, you, you know, it's hard, you know, you're being stretched in every direction. But I think one of the things that I've, I've noticed is, 
is for for me as a as a as if I as a black congregation member, the investment from the pastor to say, hey, I, I actually want to have individual conversations with you is incredibly valuable. But I think that carries over to everyone who's feeling this tension this way to say, hey, we're willing to invest these individual conversations because we we're not getting anywhere having them on Facebook. We're not getting far having them in in large gatherings. We we need to bring it back down to that kind of communal community collective, that tribal type community to say, hey, this is how we're going to have real effective deep conversations, reminding ourselves of who we are and what matters most. Mm-hmm. Several months ago, when you and I met for barbecue here in town, and you gave me a copy of your book, yes. uh, uh, "Hope Over Hype," and uh, talk about that because, and, and and by the way, thank you for that. And I I've mentioned this to you before, but I came in one morning and saw my. 13 year old son reading the book saying, I really love this. And I said, when we're done with the pandemic, the three of us, we're going to go out for some barbecue. You get a chance to to meet Rob. So thanks for building into my son too. I am so grateful for that as a dad, but, but hope over hype. What does that mean? And why is that important in our culture today? Yeah. You know, I, I, I started thinking about, you know, as a young adults pastor, I started to, you know, there was a season where I was looking to do a series on um, all these topics that we weren't necessarily talking about directly. We weren't confronting them directly. And so, you know, I, I picked 10. I, I said, you know, I'm going to find 10, you know, it's a nice even number, 10 topics that I think I've been, I've been, I've sat across from someone in my office and they've said, hey, and I couldn't find the resource personally that specifically just unpacked all of those in one package. I'm kind of that guy. It, it's got to be all in one place. And uh, that's, that's what kind of led me to writing about how there were all these things that were being hyped up. And as soon as the hype faded, we were leaving them. And there were big issues. They, they were like critical things. But, mm-hmm. but it's almost like they, they had the volume turned up on 100. And then they all of a sudden go away and were undealt with. And, and we all felt like, didn't we deal with that last year? And, and so I started writing that, hey, that, that hype isn't what we're looking for. We need to find the hope in, in all of that. And I think for a pastor, it's easy to say, you know, oh, the hope is Jesus. But, you know, how is he the hope when it comes to a specific thing? So I started talking about relationships, dating, uh, money, you know, sexual identity, um, race, nationalism and patriotism. I started unpacking these big topics. And the vantage point that I have is I can talk about these things directly as a non-American talking to about Zimbabwe and absolutely know that you can connect the dots for yourself where it matters. And so whether it's, whether it's uh, leadership, whether it's um, how we respond to, I even wrote about the Enneagram, you know, how, how like, you know, how, how we find our identity in certain things. Like, you know, I can speak to that as, as someone coming from a different culture and context. And, and to be honest, guys, like I found that there were things our pastors used to say back home that when an American pastor would visit and say the exact same thing, the church is like, yeah, we, we absolutely need to change. 
we need, he's been saying it for nine. So I was like, maybe I can try that. You know, maybe I can be that guy um, for our community to say, hey, I know you've been saying this for ages, but let me say it like this and hopefully it will get through. Why is, why is hope so, or sorry, why is hype so prevalent and tempting? I, mean, I just think I, there's so many evangelical churches where like it's, you know, we got to one up yep. next Sunday. You yep. know, we got to turn the energy up and it just can get exhausting for yep. pastors. Why is that so tempting in our culture and even our church culture to just want to hype and then overhype the hype for the next week after that? Yeah, you know, I, I, JR, I've been trying to put my finger on the pulse of that, you know, because I buy into hype in, in certain places and spaces in my own life, you know, you know, you know, there's what, what, what maybe uh, popular culture would call a hype beast, you know, someone who buys into, into everything that that's hyped up. And, and I sometimes find myself in that. And I think it's the, it's the tone of the culture. Like it really is the, the way we, the way we've kind of evolved, I feel is, is, um, is, and I feel like American culture really leads a lot of the world in how you, you know, Amer- I, I didn't like football. And I saw watching American football because of the hype. Like before a game, there was a story. They would go to Jacksonville, Florida to find <laughs> his high school coach. <laughs> this is a lot of work for this, for this game. But, but I found myself, I was like, I'm in. Like, I want to watch this game, not because of the guy playing, but his high school coach's son needs him to win. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, so, so I think hype is, <laughs> hype has been grained in that and the church, you know, to keep up, you know, cause I don't think we are leading culture. I, I think we're following. And so to keep up with culture, we've also got to do these things and, and create these events that, that we have to hype up and, and um, you know, f- weirdly enough, and I'll say this, Christmas at my church in Zimbabwe was the lowest attended weekend in the year. And, wow. and, and it's like, when I came, it was like Christmas is an Easter. It's like a whole different church. I'm like, this isn't even really us. I'm like, hey guys, <laughs> we don't look this good. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, think it's a, I, think it's a, I think it's a cultural thing. And we need to go back to, because it's not sustainable. We need to, we need to go back as a church to going, hey, listen, this is what's consistent and real. This is who we really are. This is who Jesus really is. Mm-hmm. And we're like this, 52 out of 52. And 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 come and be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the last chapter in the book is on the church. And it's it's not so popular. You know, I wrote my, <laughs> I wrote my heart, but I was just in the space of like, I don't think bigger is better. I don't think we're all meant to look like Hillsong. Mm-hmm. I think Hillsong is meant to look like Hillsong, but... I don't think we're all meant to look the way we're, you know, like that, but because it's unnatural for us, you know, it's, uh, we, not every pastor is supposed to use the urban dictionary in their sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Rob, you are hilarious. Seriously, dude. You know, one of the, one of the things Doug and I want you to unpack too, and you're, you're not young, but you're a younger leader. You have such an important voice. And the more we spend time together one-on-one or with the young leaders equipping cohort, the more impressed I am by your wisdom. And I, I want, Doug and I both want you to just unpack that a little bit. What do you wish every, let's say that there are 
There are many different older leaders that are in theory that believe building into younger leaders is important, but it may be an an idea or maybe a good idea, but it needs to be a priority. What would you want to communicate to older leaders in the church regarding younger leaders and what younger leaders are looking for in terms of investment and people to build into them? Yeah. Um, I I think my observation is, um, I think one of the things that I know a lot of young leaders are desperate for is intentional investment, like, and, and empowerment, you know, um, you know, to just say, Hey, listen, I I back you, I I trust you. And, and I'm going to allow you to, to lead while I'm still here. I think a lot of it is, you know, we're going to invest and pour into, and I haven't been here long enough to see what, what transition in leadership looks like or how the baton is passed. But I definitely know that there are moments and situations where I felt that um, the church has been a little bit, a little bit reluctant to allow those voices to, to, to be, to be influential in how you navigate a season um, or time and, and really intentionally handing that over. Um, the best example of this that I think of is first Samuel 17. I always go back to just David and Saul's interaction. It's like the best thing for me to read uh, when oftentimes when I'm feeling like, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. Because when David's about to fight Goliath, first, he's not even there for that. And yet he finds an audience with the king. And I think the battle is won when David says, hey, Saul, I can't do this in your armor. And, I, and what I feel is, is David was introducing a new way of, of fighting a specific giant. And, and I think we're surrounded by some giants that there's some food delivery guys around the church that we just know you haven't come here for battle and we ignore them. And yet they're the ones who are willing and they're willing to do it in the way they've seen God come through in their lives. And, and, and that's what David said, you know, this is all cool, but it's, it's heavy. I can't move. I'm not agile. And so I think for me as a leader, leading other young people, I, I, I feel convicted by that saying this, I know I want you to do it this way, mm-hmm. you know, two fast songs, some announcements in a slow, so that's how we're going to, that's the formula. That's how it works. And they're going, Hey man, when I was out there, that's not how we did it. And I think just saying, okay, go for it. You know, because I think there's some things that we know we're not winning the war. We're not, we're not, we're not fighting it. We're not stepping into the ring with Goliath and they are willing so allow them to step in with our covering, with our blessing, with our backing in the way that they know how to and trust that God is the one who's given them the victory, the confidence to go into that space. And so, yeah, that's, that's just my heart. I really feel intentionally doing those things. It's risky, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all risk, right? <laughs> that's, that's, we're kind of in the faith. The faith business is risk business. And, and we, we need to be willing to risk a lot more with young people. Mm-hmm. I think that's so, it's so timely for us because again, I think even as we, you were just sharing earlier, just about some of the critiques of the church, um, it's this, we don't all have to be this one thing. And, and I wonder, I do wonder often if, if part of the issue that we struggle with is that we, we get stuck in these ways of thinking, well, this is what it has to look like and this is how it has to go. Um, have you noticed any 
any like movements uh, or just work in your own life that have helped situate you um, to, to, to be part of those conversations or even thinking about the pastor right now who's like, man, I wish my senior pastor or my, you know, whatever my elder team would, would kind of listen. Um, do you have any thoughts on like, hey, here's a great posture or here's how we can begin these conversations of influence? Yeah, I mean, I, I went to a conference once when we when we were still conferencing. <laughs> Feels like ages ago. Um, but I remember it, it was Andy Stanley sitting up there and he was talking and he he talked about a meeting that they have at their church once a year where he 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 honestly just asked people, like, what do you want? And he said he was taken aback once when uh, a guy said, oh, I want your job. And he was like, I'm glad that you're honest. And I want to know that. I want to know that that's what you want and that's where you want to go. And I think just having these, com- these spaces that I've noticed, like leaders who are willing to create the spaces where they're going, hey, listen, there's an intentional space and a time where – I'm going to ask you, if you were me, what would you do if if you're in my position? And and it's not like I'm going to take it or use it, but I really want you to to, to express that so that I'm in the know. Um, and I think that gives birth to some things that, you know, I've been seeing things pop up. I've been seeing like these smaller, like home church type movements crop up. And what's populating them is these young people that have, someone who an older person who's taken a lot of investment into their lives. And, you know, you look behind the scenes and you're like, Oh, there's this guy, you know, somewhere in, in Sweden, you know, who's just actively pouring into them and they're, they're, they're gathering and they're, they're, there's this, there's this need. And I, and I, and those are some of the things to be honest that are starting to, to go, wow, that is, that is attractive. Like that, that's deep community. Like, that's that's that seems that seems amazing, and these are young people doing it. So there's this feeling that um, things like that, and 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 being allowed, given the runway, to do the things that the Lord is calling you to, and having intentional spaces where you can air those things out is 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 critical. And I, and and honestly, I think any leader hearing that, you know, if you want to keep young people vibrant around you, creative and you know, living, breathing life into the church, into your organization, you, you're going to have to create spaces where they can, where they can see that they, they're contributing to the, to the, to the vision moving forward. Mm. Yeah. Rob, I remember when I was in my late twenties and serving at a, a church in Colorado and we were sitting around the table and one of the senior leaders said to me in the midst of a large meeting with the other pastors, and this is at a large church, and he said, we want to communicate that, you know, the ministry you're overseeing, JR, that they're the future of the church. And I just remember with all boldness looking at him and saying, in all due respect, that's the problem mm-hmm. because you're seeing us as the future of the church. Yeah. If we don't see us as the present of the church, we're never going to be the future of the church. Yeah. And so sometimes, I mean, he meant well, but it was a paradigm shift that needed to happen to say, don't sit us on the bench and say, when you earn your stripes, we'll check you in the game maybe in the fourth quarter when the game's out of reach is to say, no, no, you can be an active contributor and participant right now. Yeah. And so sometimes leaders, we get in our own way. And I think, you know, every leader should be asking, how do I get out of my own way? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious when it comes to pastors, maybe older or established pastors, 
not just what they can do, but I want to ask you, what are, what, what are some things that leaders can stop doing? Like, where are they in their own way that maybe to say, hey, if I just back up a little bit, then I allow other leaders who are younger to be at the table and contributing, participating, not in the future, but right now. What can leaders stop doing as a way of inviting more, more younger leaders to the table? Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> in, a, in a pretty vague and broad way, I can say you can stop doing everything like that's huh. so that's a start. Like you can start to, to 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 piece things together that you're like, you know, I don't have to do this. And well, why am I doing this? Why am I holding on to this so tightly? Mm. And 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 really digging deep and taking this, you know, deep look inside to say, hey, I don't have to do that. I don't, mm. you know, and, and then that way you, you're able to, to actually create the space where people can be part of the present. Um, you know, I, I think there's so many things I've seen where I can look at multiple churches, not, not, not the one I'm, not the one I'm in. Um, Cause that one's perfect, but, uh, <laughs> but multiple churches and just go, Hey, there's some spaces where you're using a lot of time and energy where someone can actually do that better. Uh, the value of team will be higher. They get to be a, you get to spend more one-on-one time pouring in because you're working together, but you're also exemplifying what it looks like to sit under leadership and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, all those, all those things, I think are, are valuable, valuable, valuable lessons that we, we miss out on. And, um, and I say we, because I've had to ask myself that in the last 12 months, like, why, why am I, why am I doing that? Why am I coming up with everything? Like, no, I don't have to. And, and I can absolutely delegate this and empower people to actually create those spaces that I kind of step into and follow. Um, and, and I've seen that that's, something that I, that I want to continue to practice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, hearing from other leaders is just that one thing where people say, hey, whatever you are looking for the generation above you to do for you, you need to do that for the generation that's behind you. And so, yeah, it's not always mm-hmm. easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really good, Rob. I think too, you know, you mentioned just the importance of, of um creating space and pastors learning to just say, I'm not going to do everything. I'm going to start doing specific things that are really helpful. But I think too, you, you kind of touched on it earlier, just the importance of uh, sustainability. Mm. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of what I'm, what I'm noticing and what others are noticing is that we're, we're in a season where there's a lot going on between between uh, racism and between pandemic and between being on a lot of um, uh, platforms that are virtual. Yeah. Um, how, how are you staying healthy in sustain? Like, how are you staying sustainable in this season? Like, what, what are some practices that have been really helping you just to stay fresh and to stay present with the Lord yeah. in this season? Um. Well, when the, when this started, you know, no one knew how long it was. I think, you know, I think we were like, you know, is this five weeks? Is this, you know, is, is this the end? Like, you know, like a lot of things were rushing through. And, um, I don't think, I think we were almost like caught in like quicksand. And then coming out of that, I, I found that one of the things for me is, um, is finding that space and place where I can be, I can just be still 
and and really be in a place where I can find a rhythm that's consistent with being still with the Lord. And it's so weird. Um, a few a few weeks ago, I, I know Jr. You posted something about writing scripture, and I was looking for things that can slow me down because everything was this means to an end. Like my 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 big hobby is I love to write, but but sometimes that in itself can create more pressure and tension and something that comes from a good place that is often relaxing and enjoyable can start to be like, okay, I need to get out. And so it's just finding things that actually have no means to an end, really. It's just like, hey, I'm just being still, I'm taking my time. You know, some people are writing out 10 verses, but today I wrote three. Like it's it's just an finding those spaces that are that are rich in that way that's that's one thing and um yeah and and i think yeah that word hype comes up again you know understanding that we we don't get to see under the hood of a lot of things that we end up seeing online so we might not have the engine or the wheels mm-hmm. to 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 run a a weekly online you know Bible study on, on, on Romans, like the next church. And, you know, we don't have enough, 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 uh, leg, leg, leg work to, to do, um, you know, a 15 minute morning devotional. And that's how really the season started, you know, for me, it was like young adults, you know, first 15, I'll be, that was four days. I did four episodes, <laughs> four episodes of that. It, it just was not sustainable because I, I am not, I, I don't have what, you know, Saddleback has. Like, mm. I don't even know how they're doing it. So, you know, all that has been, you know, understanding where you are, your context and, and then going, okay, this is what I feel we can do. Let's 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 build from there and, and do things that we know will last a little bit longer. Uh, well, Rob, you are such a great leader. It is such a joy to be able to just hang out with you and spend time with you. You are courageous, you are wise, and you are vulnerable in all the appropriate ways. And one of the things that I've loved, and I know other young leaders in our Young Leaders Equipping cohort has loved, is your joy and your humor. I mean, we've laughed a lot even in this episode, too, of just great, but also such an important perspective from the outside. And I don't mean you're an outsider, yeah. but as, as someone not raised in America, you're helping us understand with greater clarity, not only the reality of the American church, but where the American church needs to go in the future. So we are so, I'm so grateful for this church in Doylestown that saved your life, that has you here and allows me a chance to just spend more time with you. And you are just full of such wisdom, more wisdom than what your birth certificate says you should have. And uh, I'm so grateful. Thanks for joining us today, Rob. Thank you so much for having me, guys. This is a blast. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I, c- I can go. I can tell my mom. You know, I, you know, I, I was on the show that, you know, the one that <laughs> I hope my mom knows you into it. Well, Doug, I just love spending time with Rob, and he's so full of joy, isn't he? Yeah, you're so lucky you get to spend time with that guy on a regular basis. What a cool dude. (laughs) Oh, man, I just love the way he's stewarding his story well, and he really does have wisdom beyond his years. Yes. And I'm so grateful for that. 
Yeah, I was really struck by the uh, the the privilege that his church has, and even that we have, from the perspective of of hearing where he's coming from, uh, not just as a young leader, but also as a cross cultural leader, and uh, and and uh, and just a, a brilliant guy too. I, I just think the fact that he's able to see things and to speak to things and still have that ability to realize that he hasn't been fully co opted by it is mm. such a gift. Such a yeah. gift. Yeah. Yeah. The inside outside of Rob is just so good. I mean, I, we didn't, he touched on a little bit about how he's got a, a kidney of a white person inside of him. And so when we talked about race, we talked about it when we were canoeing at Peace Valley Park, but he said like, like even this idea of race in America is so real for me because I'm a, a black African, but I have a white American kidney in my body. And mm. so he said, this race thing is, is so personal. It's, it's literally biological for me, wow. <laughs> which I found to be just a fascinating insight for him um, and for all of us. And um, so but he just, um, I, he, he's one of these, Rob's one of these guys, he just goes after it. Mm. And when he says, hey, there's a need, he's like, I, I'm just going to fill it. I'm going to go until I get a no. And I just appreciate that. It's not out of arrogance. It's not out of uh, control. He just says, hey, it's a need. God's empowered me. I'm going to go do it. And he really um, was incredibly influential in Zimbabwe, uh, mm-hmm. in Harare, which is the capital there in Zimbabwe. And he, he, um, just amazing stories. And we could have talked to him for another hour of just some of the stories of how God used him in Zimbabwe and, and how God continues to use him. But uh, what an amazing guy. What an amazing yeah. guy. And I think we should probably call N.T. Wright and let him know that he was <laughs> lucky enough to sit in the same chair that Rob uh, sat in this week. So. <laughs> yeah. so, yeah, what stuck out to you, uh, Doug? Oh, man. I Well, first of all, just in his story, when he he was mentioning how uh, the church said, we're not just like they put, he said they put the phrase, they put legs to the prayer. Yeah. Um, that just stuck out to me. Um, I think too, this, like I've met people who have perspective, but not, uh, not humility. And I think to, to have perspective and and a humble heart is such a gift because it it feels like it comes from a place of um, of uh, uh, like the honesty is there, but it also comes from a help me understand, mm-hmm. help me figure this out. This is what I'm noticing, and I think that's just a real it's a it's a gift that I, I don't. I don't know a lot of people who are able to embody that well, um, where they might have perspective and it's like, you know, it's like a loaded gun, uh, where perspective and humility, um, just is such a, such a gift, I think, especially in, in a season where everything seems to be polarized and politicized very, very, very quickly. Um, so that, that was one of the things, um, I, yeah, I, I just think his joy, my goodness. Um, <laughs> I feel like my jaw was at the ground half the time because he just seems like just such a, a guy that uh, I would love to sit under his teaching and under his leadership, uh, because I get the sense he loves Jesus and just has, um, this beautiful way of, of following him. Um, Mm. I mean, you get to spend a lot more time with him than, than, than all of us and, uh, than, you know, us listening. So what are some things that stuck out to you? Well, just as I've said before, I, I, I'm just so grateful for his willingness to run after things. And, um, you know, there's some people that just sit around and wait for permission. Hmm. And I'm really grateful that Rob's not one of those people that he just says, you know what, there's a need, there's a, there's a burden, there's a dream that God's given to me. I'm going to run after it. Hmm. So 
he just said, Hey, I just feel like God's gifted me to write and I'm going to run after that. And he writes, you know, um, but he's also a very gifted teacher and I'm really grateful for that. But I think it's important for us to note in this conversation, the leadership at Covenant uh, Presbyterian Church in Doylestown. Um, because it's it's one thing to just say, hey, we should care about missions. We're going to send a team to Zimbabwe. It's another thing to just say, we're going to put legs to our prayers. And so um, I, I just, you know, the lead pastor over at Covenant, Bob Myers, uh, I just give him a lot of credit and just knowing um, the way in which Bob cares just a lot about, a lot about issues of justice and uh, wanting to, to think globally is really important. So uh, as much as we're sort of honoring and being excited about Rob, we talk about mentoring and building in the next generation. I also want to m- mention Bob and the leaders at Covenant and for the work that they're doing. So I'm really grateful for that because without that, Rob wouldn't be here. And I know Rob is grateful uh, for them as well. So um, yeah, again, back to, we all need a Paul, we all need a Barnabas, we all need a Timothy, right? And so you and I, Doug, talk a lot about 2 Timothy 2, two, right? The things you've heard me say, Paul says to Timothy, in the presence of many witnesses, entrust a reliable people who will go on to teach others. And that's how discipleship occurs generation after generation after generation when that happens. And we take second Timothy two, two very seriously. So, um, that's what stuck out to me. So, um, Doug, what are some, uh, what are some questions that we should be wrestling with? Yeah. Well, I think a great question is what legs need to be added to your prayers this week? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, I think it's just that that comes back to that question of what do you hear from the Lord? What are you going to do about it? And so where do we need to add legs to our prayers? Second one is, um, it's kind of a, a thought and a question, but, you know, take five minutes, think through all of the young leaders, uh, that are in your circle that, you know, um, the ones that are faithful, available, teachable, and hungry, and just ask the Lord, Lord, who should I invest in this week? Who's one leader that, 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 that you would love me, that you would, invite me into investing in. Mm. Um, And so I think those are two questions. JR, what are some resources? Yeah, I think one of the main resources we just want to pass on to listeners is Rob's website. If you just want to learn more about Rob and his story. So um, it's Rob Chief. And it's spelled C H I F. So R O B C H I F dot com. Rob We'll put that in the show notes for you to see that. But check out Rob. Learn a bit more about his story, uh, some of his podcasts. And he's got um, you know, the books on there um, that, uh, that we mentioned earlier. Um, but especially the one Hope Over Hype is on there as well. And you can, you can read and learn more about it there. But um, that's a great resource that we'd want to pass along to you. Yeah. So let me just send us out. Um, Brothers and sisters, uh, may you go. And as you go, may you be reminded uh, that you're never too young to be a Paul and you're never too old to need a Paul and that you're never too young to be a Timothy and you're never too old to be a Timothy. But as you go, may you go with a renewed love and passion to pouring into the generation that's coming up. May we not be selfish with our experiences, with our life and with the ministry that God has given us. And may we pour it into the leaders that are coming up behind us, around us, and above us. Mm